you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? It senses Dude, <laughs> Nailed it. To listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. We are back with more Spider-Man from 1981. Just Spider-Man. Just Spider-Man. We talked a bit about the production of this show in our last episode because we hadn't talked about this show before, but this time we're going to be able to dive in a little bit quicker because we've we've done that already and a lot of the production kind of carries out throughout the whole series. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to kind of dive into this one. It's a character we know from other series. Yeah. So we can we get to compare a little bit, which is fun. We posed a couple questions in our first Spider-Man 1981 episode that I'll be excited to explore a little bit this time around. But yeah, I uh I'm I'm excited. I'm happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm. This is definitely an interesting, interesting one. So it would be fun. I think I feel better about this one than I did the last one, just because <laughs> it is such a. It's a much more like heightened plot to begin with. So like, I think I can deal with it a little better. It'll be good. I think it's it's a, it's 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 more consistent in some of the areas that we had concerns with the first episode. Yeah, I think there are a couple things it doesn't do quite as well as the first episode. So it's sure. still a balancing act between the two. But hopefully as the series goes on, it, it finds its footing a little bit better. But let's let's talk about the episode we're actually talking about, which is Spider-Man 1981, Season 1, Episode 2, entitled Doctor Doom, Master of the World. And we are watching this on Disney+. Plus. You can too. The show is now super easy to find thanks to Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Disney. We are your corporate shills. Yay, Monopolies <laughs> forever. The synopsis for this episode per Wikipedia is as follows. Dr. Doom is mind-controlling world leaders, so at the upcoming United Nations meeting, they will declare him the master of the world. So this, this episode <laughs> really puts a lot of faith in the amount of power and ability that the United Nations has. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I really wish I had more context, like historical context for the sort of societal understanding, political understanding of the United Nations in the early 80s. I don't, I don't, I don't, this wouldn't work. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... In the Marvel Universe, maybe the United Nations is literally just like a panel of world leaders that decides on who a world leader is, but mm, nope, not, I mean, I, not real life. <laughs> I think that's what the United Nation probably, maybe not the world leader part, but I I think they think that they have any power at all to do anything uh, ever, literally. Over the planet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this sort of reflects that. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Marvel is more of an ideal of this coming together of nations yeah. for the greater interest of the planet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of ideal, except when they get taken advantage of and elect a warlord, the master of the world. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> kind of points out a weakness, I would <laughs> a say. A little complicated. <laughs> a little complicated. This does not have, like, this show doesn't, no, no full well, this show doesn't have the political awareness that Spider-Man Unlimited does. No. Just say that. <laughs> the original air date for this episode was September 19th, 1981. This is said last week that, like, the writing credits are a little weird because we only know, like, the whole slate of writers are credited every episode and directors, too. 
IMDb does call out Jeffrey Scott specifically. I don't know if it's because someone knew that he specifically wrote this one or if he was just the last name on the list and the rest of them got cut <laughs> off at IMDb. But, you know, gives us an opportunity to talk about this guy specifically because he was a writer on Spider-Woman, Super Friends, DuckTales, Muppet Babies, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dragon Tales, many other things in addition to that. And most recently, as recently as like 2019, um, hmm. he's still working now, he wrote on the Vietnamese cartoon Manta in the Odd Galaxy. I can only assume that that means maybe he like wrote on the dub for it because it is a Vietnamese produced cartoon unless he moved to Vietnam and worked there, which I guess is possible, but I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It, anymore, when it comes to modern animation, um, it's getting harder and harder to really compartmentalize the origin of certain animated properties. Yeah. And yeah. and with the ability to, like with language barriers not being as much of a problem, like I could see somebody working on a on a cartoon in a in a completely different country if they were brought in for like the specific purpose of developing stories and stuff like that. I don't know if if this is screenwriting though. I don't know if you have more info on that. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Cuz that might be a little tough. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I really I really don't know when it's global know. like that. I don't know much. I don't I don't really know anything about like overseas film production in general cuz I know it can be pretty wildly different. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No idea. It, it is well, interesting. I'm curious cuz it has the phrase odd galaxy in it, so. Yeah, it looked it, it looks like it's like a little little kids show, um uh-huh. but it also could just be a simplified art style and maybe it's not, sure. I don't know. Hmm. But it looked interesting. Yeah. Well, this episode highlights pretty much one character, as you would expect by the title. It is Dr. Doom. And Dr. Doom in this is voiced by Ralph James, who surprisingly didn't do that much either on screen or behind the mic. But as you'd expect, he did provide voices for Plastic Man Comedy Adventure Show as pretty much every single human being in 1980 through 1986 did. (laughs) Yep. And... He voiced the character Orson on Mork and Mindy, which was by far his longest running role. Like by far his longest running role. Yeah. I'm surprised that, I mean, I guess if there was a Star Wars like animated series around this time, he would have been Darth Vader. (laughs) I, yes, I was wondering that when I was watching it, I was like, huh, I wonder if this guy ever voiced Darth Vader for anything because this Dr. Doom just straight up sounds like an animated uh, Darth Vader. Like it's uncanny through and through. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's why I was so surprised to find that this guy doesn't really have very many credits. Yeah. And the credits that he does have are, like, single episodes of things. Weird. <laughs> so, Weird. very, very surprised. But I like I like the performance, probably because it does just sound like a cartoon Darth Vader. But I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of ways you can do Doctor Doom, but I think doing Doctor Doom as Darth Vader is a smart enough move. <laughs> sure. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, carries a similar vibe, so... I think it is a good job. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes they just don't Mm -hmm. like it that much. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's all we got for production. Pretty simple one. So other than that, I guess we could just dive right in. Let's see how Dr. Doom becomes master of the world. Yes. So this episode opens up on Air Force One, where the president is instructing a staffer to share a copy of his upcoming United Nations address with the Secretary of State. Just as this interaction is happening, Dr. Doom arrives in an airship and captures the entire Air Force One with a tractor beam. Of course. Why, why not? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Dr. Doom does. Elsewhere at the airport where Air Force One was set to arrive, Peter Parker's there anticipating an opportunity to get some photos of the president for the bugle because that would be a big deal. But then he learns that the plane has actually been reported missing. It's supposed to arrive a whole half an hour ago. So Air Force One missing is a big deal. So he finds an alley, suits up, and leaves his clothes behind, as we've seen on Spider-Man stuff before. But he doesn't leave it, like, on a roof. He literally just webs it to the wall of an alley at the ground level. (laughs) Put a pin in that. (laughs) Not a good idea, buddy. Oh, and, like, just a kind of a thinly webbed webbing where you could, you know, reach in and pull the clothes between the web strands. Uh-huh. Didn't think that one through, man. Not great. Yeah. So he goes investigating an air traffic control tower to like kind of get some more information. And that's when he learns that Air Force One is likely somewhere in or around Jersey City. Or at least that's kind of where it was last seen. Yes. So Spider-Man is like, I'm pretty sure I can't web swing all the way to Jersey City. That would take too long. And I don't have enough web. So he thinks maybe I can rent a plane from somewhere and he does 
that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, before I do want to call out when he's swinging away talking about how you can save the president. He's like, I can find the president, even though I didn't oh, yeah. vote for him, which is a funny joke. And, you know, the, we so Who's we the see president in 1981. I need to know. Ronald Reagan was just elected in January of 1981. OK. So All right. I'm, now that said, I don't know when this episode was written. If it was written <laughs> before January 1981, then it was Jimmy Carter, which I have different feelings about. Well, but what but it, I it, think everybody knew at this point. Right. Like Ronald Reagan was a landslide, wasn't he? I think so. So. I'm okay with Spidey's decision to have not voted for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Big same. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're like, I love Reagan, Reaganomics, then, you know, fuck off. He killed a lot of gay people, basically. Go back and watch Spider-Man Unlimited and get back to us. <laughs> All right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you what can't we have to be say. A, you can't be a queer person and be a Reagan fan uh, for uh, among many things. <laughs> Yeah, what do you expect from us? Yeah, so, yeah, he didn't vote for Reagan. The president is just drawn as a generic old white guy. Oh, I was hoping so bad. I was like, I can't wait to see who the president is. Because 1981, it wouldn't be – there's so many fictionalized versions of female presidents long before Hillary Clinton was, like, an actual nominee. And Mm -hmm. so I was hoping that it went as far back as 1981 in Spider-Man. I was hoping so bad, but nope, just generic old white guy. Which, you know, (laughs) was the the more sensical decision, unfortunately. I think you could argue that, like, I mean, it's not a caricature of any particular president. He is very generic. But you could argue that they're kind of pulling elements that's a combination of, like, Reagan and and Jimmy Carter Carter, since they were the most recent presidents. But, again, yeah, yeah, generic old white guy, whatever. Yeah, and, like, it's a safe bet to just reflect the president that exists. So, yeah, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so he in order to get to jersey city he wants to rent a plane and he does that from an eccentric pilot uh who also curates an aircraft museum and suggests that they fly in a bright red fighter plane with a black and white iron cross on it uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is uh-huh. a choice uh-huh. and they set off <laughs> yep don't love that but you know symbology is complicated <laughs> But also, you can see what you see <laughs> yeah. with your own two eyeballs, and, and that's what we see. Yeah, the politics of this episode are strange, aren't they? <laughs> a little, a little uh, contradictory. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, if, 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 if that's not just like a poor design choice, like an uninformed, like dumb design choice, they do portray this pilot as like kind of a crackpot. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. That's true. Yeah, he's not a military hero guy. He's he's like no. meant to be very annoying and very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> so anyway, we cut back to Doom's airship and Dr. Doom is bragging that he cannot be found with radar. Cool. And mm-hmm. ends up installing a mind control device on the president's neck. Also cool, I guess. <laughs> nearby in the fighter plane, Spider-Man's spider sense activates, indicating that they are nearby to Doom's airship. And so the pilot brings Spider-Man close enough for Spider-Man to hitch a ride. And then the pilot flies off. Thanks, pilot. Yep. Yeah. So Spidey makes his way into the airship and immediately finds himself face-to-face with two of Dr. Doom's robot guards. I want to point out his robot guards are all like bright pink, which yeah! is cool. I love it. Yeah. I like his, I like those guards. I like the robots. and Or robots. As, robots. Uh, as Spidey <laughs> says. I love yes. it. Robots. <laughs> And even the uh, the the airship like colorization, like the walls are all like a, a kind of a bright, almost neon pink or green throughout most of the airship too. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think it 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 fits in with the vibe of this show, but it's funny because it's Doctor Doom. Yeah, I love that Doctor Doom has is just like yeah, give me some more pinks, y'all. I need some more pinks. <laughs> dig it, I dig it. You got good taste, buddy. He understands the unsettling nature of the juxtaposition of scary things with bright and beautiful things hmm. it keeps you on 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 your guard you know i'm cool with that take yeah it's kind of like what makes willy wonka's factory so alarming mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's candy it should be fun but this is very unsettling it's a little and you too, might die yeah it's like death by happiness Ooh, this is creepy <laughs> But yeah, so he's fight- facing off with these pink robots or robots, and uh, he defeats them by using his webs to turn them into like a rock'em sock'em robots, basically. <laughs> and uh, then he leaves to discover uh, Air Force One, who's there at the airship, but also Doctor Doom. So, uh-oh, uh, Spidey readies his web shooter, but Doctor Doom opens a trap door, 
which drops both Spidey and the plane into the sky below. Which really got me. Yeah. I was very surprised. I was like, you just dropped a plane, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And I was not expecting that. Which is interesting, like, knowing that the intention was to let them escape. So it's funny that it's just like, it's entirely possible that the plane could have had trouble midair flying again. And he could have just, like, killed everybody on the plane instead. Well, <laughs> could have? Absolutely would have. You can't just start flying in the middle of the air. Like, <laughs> yeah. planes rely on momentum and, like, air physics. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, except, you know, uh, in a Marvel show, apparently, where the physics of planes are different. (laughs) True. But I'm just, that's why I was so alarmed. It's hilarious, yeah. (laughs) Well, Spider-Man ends up webbing onto Air Force One because, unsurprisingly, Air Force One is fine and flying again. But he's doing this to check to see if the president is okay. And the president is okay-ish and seemingly unharmed, which kind of makes Spider-Man more curious because he doesn't really understand why Dr. Doom would go through all the trouble of kidnapping the president just to let the president go. So I he's not like this. I, li- Me too. I like this. And, and, and also really from the Doc Ock one in the first episode, like Spider-Man's really smart, first of all. And I like that. Yeah. Like these are plans that are like multi-step plans that he's always, even if, even if Spidey's kind of like unsure what it all means, he's always able to be like, I know this villain, this doesn't make sense. What's yeah. the next step here? His gut is right, but his gut is very much gut, right? Like, it's making him suspicious in all the right ways, but he still has to figure things out, and I dig yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. so he's suspicious. He does snap some pictures because, like we said earlier, the whole point of him being at the airfield was to get pictures of the president. I I don't know why he thinks he's going to get away with this, but he will. Yep, yep, <laughs> he yep, absolutely yep. will. <laughs> yep, he's snapping yep, yep. pictures on a flying plane, whatever. So he gets his pictures and he goes back to the alley where he left his clothes. But if you hadn't figured out from our pointing it out, his clothes have been stolen, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which doesn't really serve much of a purpose other than to be silly, I guess. He ends up returning home in a set of like threadbare clothes that were left behind. We do see that there was what's implied to be a homeless guy who stole his clothes walking around with his clothes. So we can assume that he just took the homeless guy's clothes and that's what he's wearing. Why could you just web swing okay. home through your window like you did in the first episode, buddy? Come on, chill. I, I don't on. get this at all. I it's d- really I, weird. I, I guess, like, maybe it will, I doubt it, but maybe it will just sort of, like, inform this as a possibility and the type of obstacles that he runs into in trying to, like, manage being Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, but... in in concept, <laughs> I, I like the Parker Luck aspect of it. It's just, sure. like, executed in the worst possible way. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's not necessarily character development so much as it is, like, overarching, like, conflict development, I guess. Like, yeah. the type of conflict he is, like, that Parker Luck type of conflict. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's why I was, I was like, less open to it. But, yeah, that makes sense. That makes I sense. think that's all it is because there's not going to be, like, really character development on the show sure. just the way that it is. And I think but – I, but I like the idea because this is something that, again, you're not going to see in Amazing Friends because it's not really focused on Peter's home life. It's silly and it's dumb that he doesn't just web swing home. But <laughs> but the idea of him storing his clothes and then getting them stolen right after he's like kind of been defeated in battle, like that's, that's a really true. quintessentially Spider-Man thing. Like I like yeah. that. Um, I just wish that they hadn't done the stealing homeless man clothes to sneak back into your house that you could have web swung into thing. Like that's yeah. a little silly. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to backtrack, but I really – I, I just I missed one of my notes and I really yeah. need to point this out because it's it's been a continuing thread in multiple shows when Spidey is with the like possibly maybe like Nazi airplane guy. Yeah. He has to pay the guy, right? Pay them oh, yeah. to ride the plane. <laughs> he pulls his dollar bill and coin out of his crotch again. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Third time we've seen it. He lifts up his shirt, reaches into his pants and like, I will say it's slightly more to the side than we have seen the past couple of times, but it is basically money just keeping he, that he's keeping in his crotch. It's not a side pocket. It is in his crotch and he's pulling his money out of. I was just going to say, does he not have pockets in his bell bottoms? I'm sure he does. Well, no, because he's, he's wearing a Spider-Man costume. So oh, yeah, that's right. He hired that means Spider-Man. that he just has, and that was his last bit of money. So he was just storing a dollar and 98 cents. Just, I'm sure he's not wearing underwear under his Spider-Man tights. So just like in his pocket of junk there. I feel like he probably is. (laughs) But I don't think his, I don't think his underwear has pockets. So I think it still stands. Yeah. 
So he now follows the ranks of Craven and Amazing Friends and John Jameson and Spider-Man Unlimited of just storing random shit next to their testicles. You know what he doesn't understand? Coin purse is a euphemism, Peter. Ooh. <laughs> that was, I don't know why I ooed that like it was like a burn. I'm not really sure either, <laughs> but I'll take it. It's more, that was more like a, uh, it's a good, that was a good joke. Thank you so much. I don't know. Everything about this is weird. I do prefer that people respond to my jokes with a simple congratulatory phrase as opposed to laughter. So that was right up right up my alley. Oh, right. Really? Is that like for real? Or are you being a little no, sarcastic no, right now? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a, what a mess. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so where are we? Oh yeah, okay. So he's 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 snuck home now in this homeless guy's clothes, um, and he sneaks past a sleepy Aunt May. He does. Back on the airship, though, Doctor Doom is kind of carrying out this uh, another mind control operation. This time on a UN delegate from South Africa. So this is a global global thing that he's doing. Yeah. He says that his plan is is uh, nearly complete, and that the only official left is the Secretary General of the United Nations. So that means he's like, he's doing this for a long time and have been abducting a lot of world leaders and mm-hmm. somehow that hasn't really made the news, I guess. Um, well, because, you know, nobody cares about other countries. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about other countries? Good, good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, once and he says once he has the entire United Nations under his mind control, he plans to make them elect him master of the world, a thing that the United Nations can totally definitely do. And a thing everyone would accept as real. <laughs> yeah. No wars would be started because of this or anything. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Well, in this fictionalized ideal version of the United Nations, every country is a part of the United Nations, I suppose. If you weren't aware and you're listening to this, the United Nations is just a group of countries that decide to be together. Not all yeah. countries are part of the United Nations. And if they're not, the United Nations has absolutely no control power influence over them other than like force (laughs) they also just don't really do anything i'm sure that they do some things they do they do they do like humanitarian aid and yeah you know they highlight things that are wrong and they you know it's just it's not a perfect organization as no organization is it could be better it doesn't live up to its potential because there is no requirement for anybody to listen to them right you you opt into listening to them you know like that's okay sure i think my take on this united states is 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 a little is probably more cynical than is deserved because they do do good some good stuff but i think the (laughs) considering what it is the ratio of like good things that are actually done versus things that theoretically should be done by something right well that's like that. i think that's the that's <laughs> the clarification right like we don't hate the united nations it's just what the united nations is supposed to be versus what it's actually able to accomplish even if some of the things it accomplishes are good like yeah that's all we mean that's all we mean listen un heads don't come for us yeah I didn't expect or do. I don't know. the most political that we'd be getting on this podcast would be an episode of the 1981 Spider-Man show with Dr. Doom. <laughs> hey, anything could happen. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Maybe yeah. we're agents of Dr. Doom and we're just trying to discredit the United Nations. I mean, well, okay, sure. <laughs> no, but he needs he needs the United Nations to be as powerful as possible. Oh, His yeah. whole plan hinges on them being right. not discredited so we're whatsoever. The good guys. We're the good guys. Yeah, we're Spider-Man. Yeah. Because we're Spider-Man because we hate the United Nations. <laughs> yeah, fuck the United Nations. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, well, you know, whatever. Marvel Universe, United Nations is super powerful. Doom is pretty confident in his plan. But, but, but he knows that Spider-Man is sort of aware of this. So he's still going to activate this flying nuclear nu- <laughs> nuclear. You could keep that in. This flying <laughs> nuclear robot soldier to destroy Spider-Man just in case. I do like this detail as silly as it sort of seemed at first because it does acknowledge the fact that Doom is aware that Spider-Man is aware. So, like, I dig that. Yeah. It's not just like, let's add another robot, even though it is really just let's add another robot. Yeah, it's funny. I I think I I really like Doom in this episode, even though he's played, like, super so straight all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think that's kind of why I like him because he (laughs) – every wacky thing that happens, he's just, like – shut up, I'm being Dr. Doom, let me do mm-hmm. my thing. Like, every every response, like, I have no time for your humor. Yeah. 
it's such a nice contrast to like this show isn't super wacky, but like it's silly enough that it's in contrast to the silliness of it, the silly well, vibe of it. And that's one of the things that we decided we were going to pay attention to was like how this show determines what its own tone is and how it balances that. And I think that's a good example of like intentionally getting some of the tonal stuff correct. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Peter ends up heading to the Daily Bugle to deliver his photos of the president, but he is confronted by the flying robot. They fly now? (laughs) (laughs) They do fly now and always have. The robot pins him to the side of a building, but it's not enough for that Spider-Man super strength because he escapes pretty easily, but is blasted by the robot and plummets towards the ground below. We do get a web shooter scare. I didn't realize that this show was going to be as web shooter malfunction heavy as it is. I thought that was just going to be a 90s thing. <laughs> well, but but the 90s thing was always specifically that he ran out of web fluid. Um, yeah. This is like they're finding different ways to do it, which I thought that that would be better because it's more complex, but it's somehow worse that it's instead like it's waterlogged. It's well, jammed. It's like how – I mean I guess – I think if- the, the sentiment behind it is good. The idea that it can be more than one thing and not just this like easy yeah. switch on and off is a good thing. They're just not quite – nailing what those different things could be you know so i like the idea behind it i just haven't liked the execution so far so it just being waterlogged even though it doesn't always get waterlogged and works underwater doesn't make sense yeah this is just like my web shooters jammed for the convenience of storytelling not because anything happened to it not really behind that either yeah although I, i think in concept i like this idea that since they are like homemade things that peter parker made like it makes sense that they would be really glitchy and would mess up a lot. Sure. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I think they could do that better than they do here. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. So he has a web web shooter scare. He thinks it might be jammed, but he manages to make it work just in time, which we would expect, and ends up crafting a web glider, which he flies to the United Nations conveniently for some reason, but doesn't need to because <laughs> that's not where he was going. Yep. Okay. So he ends up, at the United Nations, the robot obviously flies along with him, and he ends up smacking the... I, I like this just because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And it works for me as, like, slapstick. But he ends up smacking the robot in the face with an American flag that he sort of, like, flings at it. Yeah. And then the robot, like, flies away. Oh, no. And yeah. that's an example of them, like, knowing what they were... Like, knowing the tone they were going for and, like, doing it properly. So... I'm okay with it. But here's what's weird, though, is like he's at the United Nations and he knows something's up with the United Nations and he didn't mean to go there. So I get why he wouldn't stick around. But also he's there. So why not like stick around? But he doesn't. He goes to the bugle and delivers his photos. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It doesn't even pay off. Spoiler alert. He doesn't get paid for them. Yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. Like you said, he doesn't get paid for them. Jameson effectively steals the photos uh, because he's he's a piece of shit. Yep. Yep. But, but, but before he's able to actually get out of, uh, get them out of Peter's hand, Peter does at least, at least get a key bit of information before Jonathan rips them off of him or rips them away from him. I was thinking he rips them off because he does, but also rips them away. So yeah. two things, Both two verbs that work. But anyway, Peter notices a device on the president's neck, which is like, ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Piece of the puzzle. Betty reports that all of the Bugle staff are occupied, but they need someone to cover this UN emergency meeting that's happening. So JJ assigns uh, Mortimer, but also Peter to the story. I guess Mortimer is the reporter and then Peter is the photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Thought. I have a thought. And they Mm -hmm. don't explain this in the episode, but I'm willing to buy it. They already had an emergency meeting planned. And I would be willing to buy that the emergency meeting is a result of the UN picking up on strange activity that is related to Dr. Doom taking over members of the UN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. uh, I like that headcanon a lot. Because that also would be the only explanation for it conveniently already being the case that there is an emergency meeting because it didn't really make sense. Yeah, but if every like world leader is mysteriously disappearing right. for thirty minutes at a time, like I think that that's just that justifies yeah. one. Yeah, I think that's that's smart. That makes a lot of sense. I wish they had told us that. Yeah, I don't have enough faith in this yet that that's the case, but I'm I'm choosing to believe that's the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, Mortimer, first of all, he does that thing where he uh, 
enunciates like the H in WH word. So it's like where, any where all the time. Were um, you taught to do that? Because I was. No. Oh, really? No. Oh, yeah. In phonics classes, I distinctly remember my teacher saying that what, where, who, well, who's a bad example? What, where, when were pronounced what and where and when. Wow. And like didn't explain why other than like that's just how they are. And literally all of us were like, that makes no sense because the H is after the W. <laughs> just call it a silent letter. <laughs> yeah. I really thought that that was just like, you know, a weird idiosyncrasy of some some people's like regional dialects. I didn't know that some people – I wonder if that was just your teacher was it a bad teacher. <laughs> it could have been. I have no idea. I mean, I took phonics in first grade. And don't get me wrong. I loved my first grade teacher. But, I mean, first grade phonics, it's, yeah. it's not exactly like – it's not exactly linguistics. <laughs> I would be if if you're listening – This, I mean, email us about anything. But I'm very curious. If you no, had a teacher – we're dumb. We don't know things. <laughs> if you had a teacher that taught you that in phonetic class, I'm really curious if this is like only something that you experienced or if this was common in some areas. Well, okay. one of those things that even like, better, even better. If you know why people do that, let us know. Cool whip. Like, is, <laughs> is it because like there are some words that we have rearranged sounds for and that's just become the norm. So like, was that the original? And like when the printing press came out, we just did it wrong. Let us know. Should we all be saying when? I don't know. I don't like it though. I'm it's not gonna. <laughs> harder to say. And also, like, it's kind of weirdly, it's like pleasant sometimes. But I feel like when you're sort of saying it in casual speech, for me, it gets kind of grating. And I don't really know why that is. Like, I'm not, like, if I'm talking to someone and they're gonna be using it, I'm not gonna, like, be mad at them or whatever. But, like, with Mortimer as a character, it's such, like, a choice that, like, sticks out so much like it kind of bothers me which works because he's annoyed he's supposed yeah. to be an annoying oh, character yeah. it's just interesting also i have a whole list of things about mortimer when i think jameson's giving him a bunch of like positive affirmations and, and stuff peter's also like not to mention freaky funky and flaky none of those things describe mortimer at all so i don't know what you're what you think those words mean peter nor is funky a bad thing at this time yeah or f- freaky, is it? Freaky or funky both aren't a bad thing. And he's clearly not flaky because he's the only one that's ever, like, doing his job on time. So, like, right. <laughs> that's right. weird, Peter. Also, Mortimer is a proto-Topher Grace Eddie Brock. Ooh, okay, okay. I like this. I Rival like this. reporter slash photographer. Like, he has that really kind of smarmy, like, dickish attitude that's, like, kind of arrogant, even though he's clearly, like, a really big nerd. Like, he's trying to, like, compensate for his nerdiness by being an arrogant dick and, like, doesn't like Peter Parker because of that because they're sort of – they sort of uh, contrast each other like that. Right. Um, Yeah. I think Hmm. if Venom had existed – well, no, Venom hasn't been in existence in 1981. If Venom had existed at this point, he would have made a perfect candidate to become – well, not the Eddie, not like, okay, Topher Grace Venom specifically. That's that's the thing that he would have become, but perfect candidate for it. Hmm. I buy that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, Joe, and Greg. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like peeks behind the curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Wow. 
Well, let's see. Back at the United Nations meeting, the Secretary General, who is like, I think the only, I think we said is the only one who hasn't been affected by the mind control. So he's kind of figured out the plan. That kind of lends credence to why they were calling the emergency meeting, right? Or did he? Yeah. So he figured out the plan. He's trying to like warn everybody about it, uh, knowing he's figured out everything. He knows that there's a mind control device, I think, involved in everything. I don't know how he got his information, but good for him for figuring out this whole side story, I guess, where he figured all of this out. Yeah, um, Doctor Doom's like plan really falls apart only – it doesn't really fall apart, but the one mistake he makes is choosing to do the secretary general last. Like yeah. I can understand why you do the American president last or at least like in the context of when the show is made. I understand why that would be the case. Mm-hmm. But just based on what this guy knows, real misstep there, Doctor Doom. Yeah, because this guy knows his whole plan somehow mm-hmm. or he figured it out. Mm-hmm. Good detective, I guess. But uh, but as he's, like, announcing to the entire United Nations that, like, Dr. Doom's going to mind control them, Doom's pink robots arrive, <laughs> and they knock the crowd out with, like, a sleeping gas. Yeah. But fortunately, Spider-Man, as we all know, typical of Spider-Man's powers, has super spider breath. Common knowledge, really. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, all spiders also have, like, you know, they're notable for being able to, like, hold their breath and not have to breathe for a very, very long time. That's how spiders totally work. Totally. Um, they ha- they definitely have lungs and everything. <laughs> they respirate the exact same way mammals do. Yep. Yeah, so either way, that means that Peter's able to not, like, fall asleep during the uh, because of the sleeping gas. Um, and he actually hears the entire announcement, so he knows the full plot. He knows about the mind control stuff. And uh, he can, you know, save the day as Spider-Man now because he's the only one who's left awake. Yeah, convenient. Mm-hmm. So when the robots drag the Secretary General from the stage, Peter takes advantage of the fact that he's the only one who can do anything about it and suits up and follows the robots to the roof where they don't really beam up the secretary general into doom's airship. I think it's like, isn't it like a literal tube? Isn't it like a glass tube that they like suck them up with? Yeah. Whatever the case is, they, I'm going to keep saying beam up because it's the easiest way to (laughs) envision it. (laughs) They beam up the secretary general and the robots uh, onto the airship. Spider-Man follows and is confronted by Dr. Doom when he is once again, immediately discovered. That's definitely a thing on this show. Not just this show, but this show has been consistent about that. Spider-Man cannot sneak around anywhere. It's impossible. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's funny. Hmm. He also gets paralyzed by villains twice, two episodes in a row, too. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> because when he's immediately confronted by Doctor Doom on this one, he's immediately paralyzed by Doctor Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, a running theme here. So Doctor Doom is like, cool. And teleports off the airship with the Secretary General and leaves Spider-Man paralyzed on the airship, which turns out to be on a collision course with the Statue of Liberty. Here's the thing that they like, I don't think they actually show this, but if you're wondering like, why did they beam up to the airship and then immediately beam away from the airship? It's at this point that Dr. Doom mind controls the Secretary General, even though we don't see it happen. I, I think we're just to understand that that can only happen if they are abducted. Oh, okay. Because like they don't, right. They don't like they beam up and then they paralyze Spider-Man and they beam back down. And the next time we see the secretary general, he is under Dr. Doom's control. So it's, I mean, it's a mistake on their part to not show it because it, it then it's significant enough to, to allow people to ask that question. But I do think that's the only explanation that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise they don't need to capture air force one. Yeah. That's a good point. I buy that. Okay. Okay. And I think that the South African leader was on the airship as well. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Okay. You know what? It's the rules like might not make sense, but like if they're right. following the rules that they established, then that's fine with me. So yeah. cool. I'm okay that's with that. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. The rule doesn't make sense, but they follow it nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Well, yeah. So now that he's like mind controlled the secretary general, he's back at the United Nations, like we said, and instructs the robots to clear the room of the gas. And this is apparently is like a type of gas that like, you're only asleep while it's like, while you're inhaling it, I guess. Because as, as soon as that gas is sucked up or blown away or what have you, everyone immediately wakes up. I want this gas. Right? I right? need this gas. I need to create a very controlled environment in my own bedroom and have basically like a sleep timer that releases this gas into my bedroom and then eight hours later sucks the gas away. Yeah. Yeah. This is a dream come true. 
he'll be such a good replacement for like anesthesia too because you don't have to deal with like all the aftermath yeah. and taking forever to wake up just like put him to sleep wake him up like yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i don't know how much of this is affected by the fact that everybody in the room is like well no not everybody in the room right hmm. but wait yeah everyone everyone is except everyone for... mind controlled because there's like an audience oh no because like mortimer isn't mind controlled and he's affected right. by it so. yeah, yeah yeah okay so it, it works no, whether you're mind controlled or not okay yeah this sounds like a dream come true give it to me yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 pro this. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. So, um, like we said, everyone awakens, Mortimer, including Mortimer, who was like, "Well, Peter, he must have run away. I can't take him anywhere." That chicken. <laughs> that chicken. Chicken. Yeah. Chicken's one of my favorite insults, even though it's stupid and frequently like misogynist. I just oh, like it. I never really thought of it as a misogynist thing, but I can well, see that. It's just, I mean, I think it's typically, I, mean, I don't know if that's dramatic or not, but I feel like it's typically used by men for other men for being mm. like weak or scared. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you have to go a few degrees, but I still think it's probably rooted in huh. like fear of weakness, which is really just misogyny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'd have to ruminate on that a little bit, but I think I see the, I see the track that you've laid. I think that makes sense. That's interesting. It's a problematic thing to, to assert upon someone whether it's misogynist or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I still find it funny. Oh, yeah. Because I, mean, I am problematic. Some people are pieces of shit and deserve to be called problematic things, in my opinion, sometimes. But Like me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all those chickens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 You are, you are changing my perspective. I will also ruminate on this. Yeah. I don't think it's as bad as you think. I don't think it's as problematic as you think it is. I think because it's like pointing out someone's weakness doesn't necessarily I, – I, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But like – Well, calling someone a coward is not misogynist. Right. It's all it is. It's not pointing out a masculinity weakness. It's pointing out – it's pointing out just a general like negative attribute that you were afraid of something. Uh, you, you know, know like why I think that's what I was associating it with? Because it's so frequently used to egg on it's, – it's frequently used by men to egg on other men – in order to like goad them into problematic, toxic, masculine behavior. And in okay. those cases, I don't think the insult, I think, I think you're clarifying this for me. The insult itself is not misogynist, but the behavior that it is frequently used to justify might be right. So if you sit there and say like, well, you don't want to do that because you're chicken. What are you chicken? In that case, you're, you're pushing someone to do something they don't want to do and like playing on a weakness that isn't actually a weakness. It's like challenging them, but, but it's, yeah. it's not exclusively used that way. So the insult itself is not the problem. Yeah, it's like it's like the way that it's used in Back to the Future to just be like an out of nowhere character flaw that Marty McFly has because they already had a completed character arc for him in the first one and they had to introduce <laughs> a new one for the last two. I love those last two movies, but like that is sort of like ooh yeah to yeah to yeah to reach a little far to make that work for him. But yeah. by calling him, but you're right because like the whole problem with him is that it's an anger issue thing where that like triggers him into doing stupid uber masculine stuff and his entire arc by the end is to not let it get to him and to be comfortable enough with himself to not feel like he has to prove himself and prove his manliness by doing dumb dangerous shit because someone called him a chicken so i see i see like the connections there it's not yeah. the phrase itself but like it's, it's the motivation used... behind the phrase and yeah the, we- the the specific weaponization in those circumstances right exactly this episode has generated so many bizarre conversations. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I'm going to be real transparent with everybody. We've only been recorded for, like recording for 45 minutes. And if we weren't going on these tangents, this episode would take us like 25 minutes to cover. So look. <laughs> yeah, I mean. We got to talk I, about something. Know, it's a podcast. What are people here for if not weird tangents from the, that exposes just like deep insecurities about the hosts? So, <laughs> Well, and here's the, here's the thing. This episode, I mean, I'm jumping ahead to the, like, overall thoughts. This episode, I like it a lot, but is paced really strange. So if it feels like we're only halfway through the episode, <laughs> you'd be wrong. We're, like, 85% through this episode already. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. not more. It ends abruptly. <laughs> yeah. I thought that I missed something at the end of it and had to go back and be like, oh, okay, it actually did end. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, so here's here's where we're at now. Like, you know, uh, like we said, Mortimer called Peter a chicken, which I think we've determined is not actually a problematic phrase. Right. He, uh, he's not using it problematically in this case. But Feel free to use it. Yeah. As long as you're not being a jerk. 
<laughs> right. Just don't be a jerk, really. You know, right. Is, is That's that. the real lesson. <laughs> but yeah, so he wakes up and the secretary general, who now, as we know, is being mind controlled, nominates Dr. Doom as the new world leader and all of the mind control delegates all vote I. Of course. Cool. So back on the airship, Spider-Man does manage to avoid collision with the Statue of Liberty by <laughs> shooting a super hard wad of web fluid. <laughs> just leave it. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, he fires that hard wad uh, enough to puncture a hole in the airship. Wow. <sighs> the airship just uh, barely scrapes past the statue, but it's enough to destroy the equipment paralyzing Spidey. So he's, he's, you know, he's escaping. He swings away from the airship to the United Nations. When he arrives, he learns that Dr. Doom has been elected master of the world, which as any like sane person would, he's just like, that's not real. Like, that's not a thing. Weirdo. And he gets ready to punch him. And then the crowd objects. And it's actually kind of scary because like everybody there is like, no, Dr. Doom's the master of the world. And there's even mind controlled mm -hmm. officers trying to detain Spidey. So it's wild. It's wild. He is able to, like, escape them in their grip because they're just people and he's Spider-Man. But, you know, it's still actually, like, if this episode was done, like, a little bit better and with a little more, like, pathos, it would be a frightening situation to be in. Yeah. I think, you know, this isn't the right era of animated television is the way I'm going to put that to, like, pull off what this could have been, which is, like, a two-part episode that ends with the election of Doctor Doom as Master of the World. Oh, yeah. I don't know that this plot, as silly as it is, warrants a two-parter for like any show. <laughs> but this is the point at which like the episode rapidly picks up. Like, I'm not kidding. I think there's like 90 seconds left in this episode. It goes so fast after this. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a totally ridiculous thing. And yeah, if they handled it right, it could be really scary, especially if Dr. Doom pulls off more of the mind control stuff like proactively before this happens, then you could have done like really scary stuff with it, which could have been pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> there's literally like two bullet points left that we have. So. Uh -huh. Because I'm not kidding. There's literally like 90, maybe 60 seconds left. It's, it's so bizarre. So later, I don't know how much later, but later Spider-Man who is still in the United Nations auditorium, which is empty. So he's very easily detected but isn't detected. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> okay. Over here is Dr. Doom commanding an army to be taken to a mind control station. Okay. This is how Spider-Man learns the, f the entirety of the plan and realizes not because of the title, but because of this, this thing he says about mind control, that Dr. Doom wasn't elected legally. I fucking love this so much. <laughs> I can't believe... Dr. Doom, a man named Dr. Doom, who is a known supervillain, uh -huh. wasn't wasn't legally elected master of the world by the United Nations. <laughs> Astonishing. I've been bamboozled. I think this episode is actually great. Like this is No, fantastic. I love this episode. I think it's I think it's so funny. It's like it's actually it's like pretty well crafted to this point. It just it doesn't it's weird cuz like everything it's it's not paced properly for the the time limit that they have. Yeah, but everything yeah. that happens prior to realizing that they don't have any time left is actually like pretty fun and yeah. done pretty well. Yeah. So like I'm willing to say like okay, you did a good job up to this point. You just had to rush. Um, which isn't great. But then like the end of it ends up being so comical that you're like, okay, sure. I guess so. Which I guess sort of this, it makes everything a little more confusing because it flies a little bit in the face of like intentionally silly versus unintentionally silly. And this is sort of like, I, I can't imagine you thought that was funny when you wrote it, but it is funny regardless. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know. I don't really care. Cause I think it's hilarious. It is hilarious. So, yeah, he knows now Dr. Doom wasn't elected legally. Oh, no. Um, and realizes that the device that he saw on the president was a mind control device. So now he's fully aware of what's going on. So he decides to confront Dr. Doom, right? He sets up his camera first, swings onto the stage and says, yo, Dr. Doom, what's up? He ends up taking a blast from Dr. Doom, but that's pretty much all that happens to Spider-Man because Spider-Man like hops onto a, con a computer console and, and just reprograms Doom's robots. 
mm-hmm. like just very easily, and they end up turning on their old master. So Doctor Doom's like, whoa, 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 nope, we're not doing this, and just runs away, just flies off. And Spider-Man uses this opportunity to tell the robots to reverse all the mind control, and the world is saved. It's not even like a Deus Ex Machina. It's like it's like a whole other level of that. It's just like it's beyond. Um, um I uh. I'm just going to reprogram robots to fix all the problems. There we go. That's it. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's absolutely beyond any sort of like rushed ending I could ever imagine. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's wild. Fantastic. Is... You know what I could do now that I have all the information? Just reverse it. Yep. I mean, I'll just reverse it. I guess he's a scientist, right? So <laughs> It works. It works. If we're being results oriented, this is great. Yep. The yeah. result is great. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he saved the United Nations and the world. And the whole okay, world. Okay, cool. Well, episode ends with Peter Parker delivering his United Nations photos to Jameson, and Peter also invites Betty Brant to a uh, definitely not a Superman movie, just a movie with a super guy who's allergic to green rocks and comes from another planet. <laughs> it I is like fun, that. though, because that movie literally came out like two years before that. I don't remember oh. the second. It came out in 70 no wait no 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 what would year I want to say 79 but I feel like maybe that's wrong I'm going to look it up real quick I feel like wouldn't it have been a little earlier than that Maybe it's 75 let me see I shouldn't know I wouldn't this. be surprised in either direction cuz I feel like that movie in general oh. when I finally watched it as an adult I was surprised at when it came out Yeah it's just I had it confused because Superman the first movie was 78 but Superman 2 was 1980 so that had just come out Oh okay yeah, and the third one was already in production because that would come out in 83. So, like, all of that is in the zeitgeist. That makes sense. We even talked about how, like, relevant those movies were to this production. Yeah, but I th- – yeah, yeah. But I thought that that's – I didn't realize Superman 2 had also already come out. Um, sure. I, I forgot how – but, no, that makes sense because they were all – they were, like, made at the same time. So, I'm, I'm – it's Oh, I didn't honest. know that. Wow. Yeah, they were – so, well, it's it was a hot mess, though. They were intended to be filmed back-to-back, and they – Sort of huh. were, but then Donner got fired for the second one. So, like, some of the second one was filmed by him with that production, but then a new director came on to film the rest of it. That um, makes so, sense. like, yeah. I don't know a lot about it, but I am, a, I'm like, vaguely aware of drama with that movie. So, it makes sense now that I kind of know yeah. where that might originate. Like, I think that also resulted in, like, the first movie's ending getting changed. Because that's why the Donner cut is yeah. a thing that exists, but the Donner cut has the exact same ending and resolution as the first Superman movie, which sounds weird, but, like, that's because that wasn't supposed to be the resolution of the first <laughs> Superman movie, but the second Superman movie. But, like, they didn't shoot any ending that they could do for the Donner cut that would be any different for the first movie. So, like, it's a big mess. I love those movies, and they're very good, but the production yeah. of them are just, just... Just, just a, just a clusterfuck. I mean, you said it before. <laughs> the fact that any movie gets made is a miracle, and that's uh-huh. just one more piece of evidence. <laughs> Every movie is just teetering on the edge of disaster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So they're gonna go see Superman, but uh, Betty, Betty does accept, but uh, but then Aunt May calls the bugle <laughs> to remind Peter that he needs to come home and get ready for bed for the next school day. Uh, yeah, May's great, cool. Okay, I'll, I'll 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 get with you on this one. This is this is annoying May for sure. Cuz it's pointless <laughs> and out of like it's pointless. Whatever. You could have any joke you could have ended on that wasn't Aunt May calling Peter's job to tell him to go home and go to bed for school yeah. the next day? Come on. Was this chill funny out. at the time even? Oh no, this like, the like, comedy was good in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Come on, I'm not this saying is not comedy funny. wasn't good. I'm just saying, like, is there something we're not getting? Like, no, I don't know. This is silly. They didn't know how to end it, and they wanted to end it on a joke, and they couldn't come up with anything. And they were like, "Oh, May hasn't said anything." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> she can't just sleep the whole episode. Yeah, we already we like we're, we're paying Linda Gary for like a whole season of the show, so we've got to have say something. <laughs> <laughs> face of the episode real quick uh it's one that you picked out that i'm glad you picked out because it's a good one. <laughs> oh man the moment i saw it i knew i knew i didn't even need to see anything else sneaky peter is unsettling the face that he makes when he sneaks past aunt may because he doesn't just sneak past her he like stops and like congratulates himself on how sneaky he's being mm-hmm. but then looks directly at the camera and makes this like very unnaturally large eyed wide mouth smile like grin yep that is not on model nope and is very frightening yep 
Because here's the thing. His eyes are like twice as large as they should be. And his mouth is like a huge wide open smile, but the his mouth isn't actually huge. So it's like yeah. tiny, tiny, big smile, very two large eyes. Yep. I, I can't. I, mm, 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 nope. Do it's not creepy. want. It's creepy. In a scene that already like doesn't make any sense too. So. And he's like holding his jacket closed. Yeah, his yeah his tattered his tattered jacket that he stole mm-hmm. from a homeless person. He's like, hey, <laughs> hey, just sneaking around. Oh man, don't mind me. Creepy Peter. Creepy Peter. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely like this episode better than the first one. I had a lot more fun with it, and I have a hard time really pinpointing why, other than maybe because it did amp up the silliness a lot because the the plot was so broad and big, so it didn't feel like. I think comparing the comparing this to the first episode, which I notoriously in that episode just tore apart and hated with every fire. <laughs> no, not really. I just for some reason just it just did not hit with me and, and, and actually, it just annoyed you, me. You quit the podcast and I had to convince you to come back. Yeah, it was a it was a rough it was a rough period between these two episodes. It was real rough. <laughs> um, and I'm only I'm only on I only came I only committed to come back for like a higher pay rate. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, and fewer episodes, so there's going to be some that you're only going to see me on about half of the podcast episodes. This yeah. was under my contract. We'll have to work some editing magic so nobody notices, even though you yeah. just called it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a fucking mess. Okay, um, so <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have, I, I think that the thing that I, that I think in retrospect that I, that I had problems with that first episode is that I feel like what it was set up in the first half as being just kind of a really straightforward Spider-Man story and then just introducing like silly elements that didn't really work into what they were setting up mm-hmm. didn't really work and they didn't go silly enough. Right. And I think this episode is, is, is pretty on balance. Like it's not, it's still not as comedic as amazing friends is, but like abducting leaders from the United Nations around the world <laughs> and mind controlling them with robots. Like that's, that's already crazy and fun. So like I'm on board with it and nothing really dumb happens like there's some writing that's a little suspect, but it's never like there's no bottles of acid floating in the water. And I think sure. that it's all just fun. And I'm cool with that. Yeah, I think um, I think if I'm looking at it just from and this isn't a holistic uh, perspective, so it's not good enough, which I'll acknowledge right off the bat. But if I'm looking just at the pl- like the the villains plots and how the villains plots are constructed and how they are addressed, I do like the first episode better. But that's not the whole episode. And so even though I like Doc Ock's plot and the way that it is built and the way that it builds up and how it is resolved, even though I like that better because this one is so abrupt, the tone of this one makes a lot more sense. And it it doesn't have that sort of like weird, confusing quality that the first one has as far as like how we're supposed to feel along the way, you know? And I don't know if this one does better simply because it swings for the fence. Like, I still don't know if this show is is trying to be silly or funny in the stories it's telling. Like, obviously, the yeah. show tells jokes, right? Those are meant to be funny. I can't yet tell if the premises are supposed to be funny. And so that's still kind of a confusing point. I do think this one ends up being absurd, though, so it's easier to stomach than the first one that I think is decidedly not trying to be funny. Right. Yeah. So it's 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 strange because like from a from a like goals and plot perspective, I I gravitate towards the first one, but from a, an overall product, despite this one ending in the most ridiculous, I don't think intentional way, I still think this one feels better than the first one. Like I walk away feeling better. Me too. Yeah. It's it it is hard and it's hard for this era of, of cartoons I think because it's sort of like it's still it's like just before the 80s boom of like super wildly toyetic shows that are literally just shows made from toys and therefore they could be not serious but like not as wacky because they want to have all their cool action stuff that shows off the toys. Um, yeah, they're so like to be cool, and these yeah. shows aren't trying to be cool. Exactly, and it's that weird middle ground because, and especially when you can compare it to Amazing Friends, which does comedy really well and very clearly, intentionally. And yeah. this show is sort of in that weird space where it's like it can't be serious enough because you know just kids TV just isn't at that level yet. Yeah. So it's understandable, but it also like doesn't really have much else to offer. Like when people talk about like. Like the, you know, like the kind of 
garbage like ghetto cartoons like i that's not i don't i don't like using the word ghetto like that but that's sort of like animation ghetto is a phrase that is tossed around like on tv tropes like i think this kind of falls into that a little bit which isn't and that's not to disparage the show i don't think that this is going to be ultimately a bad show and i know a lot of people really love it yeah and for nostalgia reasons and stuff i don't think it is but i think that when people refer to that it's it's when like the animation isn't super high quality because they don't have the budget, but also like they don't really have the capacity or ability to tell like really complex or good stories yet because um, they're just not really allowed to do that or not expected to do that. And so when they're not trying to be comedic, it kind of falls into this middle ground where like maybe at the time because there was nothing else, it worked, but it doesn't hold up very well now, not because it's like just bad writing or whatever, but because they just didn't have the ability to go far in any direction. And so if you're not trying to be funny, which is something that can hold up over time, there's not really anything to offer there. So it just ends up just being kind of bland, um, which again, I, I don't, I'm not saying that this show as a whole is bland. I liked a lot of the stuff in this episode. It's just like, it doesn't really stack up against anything that is set out to be comedy and especially not anything that's going to come afterwards. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 if it were allowed to be cool and funny, that would work, but it's not trying to be cool. And so it's not balancing out the moments of funny, right? Like because Amazing Friends sets out to be comedic, even sometimes in its plots, you know, like you said, that holds up. But if but if it's not trying to be cool, then it just is like a, a pretty normal show with some jokes. Yeah. And then when the plot is funny you can't really be confident that it was supposed to be yeah it it, it's 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 kind of weird because like you can do things that aren't comedies that are also funny like i think in this same realm like the marvel cinematic universe has proven that they've done movies that are are meant to be comedies but they've always tried to inject comedy into all of their movies despite them not all being comedies yeah i think what balances them out though is that they're allowed to tell more complicated stories and they're allowed to be cool <laughs> this show is not telling complicated stories and isn't aiming to be cool so yeah what's balancing out the jokes i'm not really sure yeah and i think that it would be it's I think that this is a type of show that if you're watching it now, it works for either A, your nostalgia if you watched it before, or B, as just like a fun background oddity thing to be watching because you like Spider-Man. For sure. a podcast like this where we're trying to do like deep dives in it, it's harder for that because it's, again, not ridiculous enough to like break down in the way that we do Amazing Friends, but not like yeah. smart <laughs> enough or deep enough to like have a good analysis of necessarily. I think that maybe down the line when they introduce other characters that we haven't seen from this era or that are a little more just like interesting or have interesting con like mm-hmm. they're never going to be very deep but like at least might have like the context of them might be different because i know that um i think one of the next couple episodes that we're going to do before we pivot away from this show is going to have like the first animated appearance of black cat in it like Ooh. that's definitely going to be very interesting because the time that it was made is going to impact it very well and the way that she's sure. portrayed is going to impact it very well i haven't seen that episode yet but i i, I have to imagine that it's going to be a lot more interesting conversation from us so that kind of stuff is going to be really interesting. But if it's an episode of the villain we've seen before, that's a basic plot. It's just it's just going to be like this one where we have to where we just go on tangents and have to just kind of ramble on at the end of it like yeah. we're doing right now. <laughs> but, but no, I think no, I think this is actually a really good point. Like I don't think we're just vamping, otherwise we'd stop. I think you mentioned this last week, that's what makes these types of shows whether it is something like this that is a little less meaty or something like amazing friends that is meaty simply because it's silly on purpose. It's what makes them good palate cleansing shows Yeah. because even if, even if amazing friends, we get a lot more conversation out of because it's absurd. It's still not like super cerebral. Right. And that's kind of perfect for in between because the shows we do as full seasons tend to be longer stories or headier or things that we're intentionally trying to dive into very heavily. And that's exactly what we're doing with these shows is like taking a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause so you know, we got, came it, off it's of, perfect. It's perfect. we came off of the very dense and political Spider-Man and complicated oh, Spider-Man Unlimited. And we're going to be, we're after this, we're going to be going back to spectacular Spider-Man, which as we know is a yeah. very dense, complicated show that is just rife with stuff to analyze heavily. So, and are going to probably be, yeah, Long episodes again. <laughs> Which, you know what? Everybody can use a break. If you get a few 60-minute episodes out of this, we're all, we're all, we're all better for it, right? You got to ebb and flow. Uh-huh. Yep. Fine <laughs> with that. 
Well, I'm excited. We're going to cover a few more of these. Um, if you are looking for, you know, other bite-sized stuff or other things that you can listen to in between our coverage of longer things, you should check out our Patreon. That's typically where that stuff goes. Bite-sized stuff like spider bites or shorter things or less invested things like commentaries where we get drunk um, yep. and talk about shows. <laughs> yep. Far less seriously. You can check out our Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash snappers. If you are looking for just stuff that we are doing individually, you can find us all over the place. Derek, where can people find you? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. Um, and I, I have some episodes that have been coming out this summer, and I have a couple more. Um, I, mm, by the time this one comes out, I think there should have been one that just came out. So Ooh, uh, you can visit me there on YouTube. But otherwise, where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And if you like Pokemon stuff, you should check out my other podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you would like more from Walloping Web Snappers, you should check out our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, where we have a very beautifully organized archive of all of our episodes. If you're looking for a specific show and our coverage of it, you need only find the tab for that show, and you can see all the episodes for just that show. It's beautiful and simple, and we love it. Follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, and email us at wallopingwebsnappers at gmail.com. We had a few questions in this episode. We'd love for you to answer them. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find what we're doing. And if you write a review, we will read it dramatically and post it on the internet. Next week, Spider-Man faces off with the lizard in... Lizards, lizards everywhere. Oh, no, they're everywhere. Everywhere. Bye. Spider-Man. Moment of silence for everyone's mental health. (laughs) Yeah.